Chapter Four of A Candle for Our Lady by Regina Victoria Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Four. At the edge of the little elm-girdled hamlet of Millo, Jim slipped from his seat on the chestnut behind Richard Norris. There's the road, sirs, and he pointed to the rough, unpaved way which served as a thoroughfare from London to York. It was traversed now, as the pale sun declined, by a motley procession of wayfarers, horsemen, single and by twos and threes, some obviously couriers for a great personage by their badges and livery and the pace at which they rode, some merchants in rich though sober garb. Again there would be wagons drawn by farmers bound for or returning from a central market, or great convoys such as wool on the road to Dunstable, and thence for the ports of Flanders and then religious monks of St. Benedict in their black habits, friars, Dominicans, and Franciscan, these most often afoot, their habits patched and soiled, and canons well-mounted and groomed, bound for the chapter-house of their cathedral. "'We're obliged to you, young man,' the squire said. "'Indeed so,' his nephew added, smiling down at Jim, fishing in his wallet who drew out another silver piece. "'Oh, no!' Jim gently pushed away the preferred shilling. "'But you've done us a great favor. "'It's but just you receive some reward.' "'It's reward enough for me just to come this way with you. "'I don't often escape from the farm and the work there.' "'Jim patted the chestnut's nose affectionately. "'Good-bye, Barb.' "'Then he bowed to the gentleman. "'I'll go with you, sirs.' "'And with you, boy,' said Mr. Norris. "'If ever you come up to London,' Richard added, "'I hope you'll seek me out.' "'Oh, I should like to very much.' Jim watched them set spurs to their mounts and start off at a canter along the highway. London! What must it be like? The great metropolis sprawled over the banks of the Thames. With its churches and palaces and law courts and guilds, and the houses of Parliament, and, overlooking, governing all, the court of the king. A little shiver of delight shook him as he turned back again on the country road, but soon he put the dream from him. After all, what remote possibility could ever take an impoverished midland yeoman like himself to London? All the same, the dream was attractive, and coming to a wooded spot on the bank of the Ree, Jim threw himself on a leaf-carpeted mound to consider it. Plucking a purply sprig of flowering rush, he idly watched the last of the summer swallows skim and dip into the surface of the murmuring stream. Suppose that one day he should recover, even add to the family prosperity— there were yeomen who had regular business in London. Why, Farmer Bailey up near Potton used to make the journey once or twice a year. But that was before the worst days had fallen on the farm folk. Even Farmer Bailey had had to lease and sell a great part of his holdings piecemeal, many acres going to the new sheep herders, including the weavers. Jim sprang up, dark brows drawn. Sheep herders. These were the men who now went to London men who evicted poor tenants to make room for their pastures, men who got by every means more and more of their neighbor's land, and waxed richer as others grew poorer. Oh, yes, they went to London and sold their wool at high prices to be manufactured on the looms of Flanders, and they drank the best ale in taverns and bought luxuries for their wives and children, and could send their sons to Oxford or Cambridge if they chose. Though now, with the closing of so many monasteries, the grammar schools conducted by the monks would be fewer. As he strode along in the lengthening shadows, resentment seething against these men who were destroying all the fine fertile fields of England for their own profit, 
he saw the big, hulking figure of Ralph Weaver coming toward him. Ralph jeered at him. Well, what do I see? The young master avenger of Midland, yeomanry, retreating from market empty-handed? Or... Good evening, Ralph. Jim would have passed him, but Ralph shot out a long arm and caught him by the jerkin. Answer when your betters speak to you. Jem watched him out of dark eyes, growing dangerous, but spoke no words. Poor Jem Reynolds, what'll you do when we take over the remainder of the farm? Better learn to herd sheep, boy. There'll be nothing else for a countryman like you. Ralph's teeth jarred together on the last word, locked by the swift, violent jolt of Jem's fist. His light eyes rolled like marbles. Then he swung out and landed a body blow that sent Jem backward onto the mud of the path around the common. But Jim was up in a second, and though he saw a rider coming, and guessed who he was, too, he struck at Ralph in red-hot fury. The blow missed, for a riding crop had descended on Jim's right arm, spoiling his aim. "'Now what's this?' demanded Father Ledhall. "'No friendly tussle, I warrant, by the looks of you.' "'Master Jim's too quick to anger, Father.' Ralph thrust his hands in his fleece coat pockets and grinned with false assurance. You should speak to him of it. The priest thoughtfully stroked his chin. Ah, and what said you to provoke him? Only a joke, father. Jim cut in. A joke, was it? A threat, rather, to make us landless. Peace, lads, both of you. There are evils enough and dangers enough in the land without quarrels and ill blood between neighbors. And you, Ralph, refrain from baiting one younger and less fortunate, if you would keep the friendship of God whose command it is that we love one another. Ralph started to move off. Thanks for the advice, Father, but I never struck him before he had the first blow. Father Lethal dismounted and put a hand on Jim's shoulder. Is that true, son? Aye. Jim's smoldering eyes followed Ralph as he swung off down the road. The priest waited, but he would say no more. Provoked you by threats and taunts. Is that it? I never meet him, but he jeers at our poverty and threatens to reduce us to baggery. The fire died out of Jem's eyes, and he hung his head. The worst is, they may do just that. No, by God's merciful providence. Son, how would you like to perform a pilgrimage, say, to Our Lady of Walsingham? Jem looked up quickly. To Walsingham? I'd give anything to go, but Grandmother... I think she may have changed her mind today, son, but you must do your part. Guard your temper when you meet the weavers. Help all you can with the work of fields and garden. Oh, yes, father. To see Our Lady's shrine, to ask her help. He swallowed hard, almost choking over the sudden foretaste of happiness. In a kind of daze, he parted from the priest of the chantry and arrived home so breathless and tassel-haired that his grandmother and Joan looked at him in some alarm. What on earth? Jem began. Grandmother, Jem panted, you've consented to the pilgrimage? Father Ledhall says you have. Well, Dame Reynolds hesitated. Please, Grandmother. Jem was eager, too. Dame Reynolds concealed the twinkle in her eyes. Well, I've been thinking we might make it at Eastertide, if we can find a suitable offering for Our Lady. Easter! Jem's face was radiant. Do you hear that, Joan? And he caught his sister in a bear hug and swung her round and round until, 
his foot catching on a rush mat, they went down together in a laughing heap on the floor. End of chapter 4